so this is the news of the week um yeah like is it yeah thoughts <laughs> like that, that there's nothing really else to say here but thoughts um i think for me i it was actually quite uncomfortable to watch it was actually quite tense it was very awkward and i just i didn't understand why matthew had so much energy i just didn't get it Hello guys and welcome to a new episode of Don't Let The Stands. You're here today with your host Eads McKenzie and Nicholas Terrell and Chopin. And the gang is reunited after how many months it's been. No idea. It's just been like a blur. 2021 and we are here with season six, episode two. How is everyone doing? Um, Just another boring week. I think I feel like, do you know what? I feel like I haven't really got into the year yet, if that makes sense. We're in March. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, seriously, it always takes me... It always takes me a while to, like, get into the year and I still feel like I'm... In terms of work mode and, like, what I'm doing work-wise, like, it still still feels like settling in, trying to figure out what the year looks like in that landscape. So I'm still figuring it out. And then I never remember the months of, like, March, April, May each year. I just don't know why. I just never remember them. And then it's summer and then, yeah, just get into the proper swing of things then. But... I feel cool. Like I don't feel heavy, like my brain, because I was, I think I said this to Chope last week. Um, Obviously I got suffered from sad and, you know, last year you guys knew that because it was the start of it. But now my head feels a lot lighter in that capacity. Like the mood isn't being waned on because of the weather and the cold and all of that. It is still cold, but it's a lot lighter. Like we're recording now and it's not getting darker yet like I can still see the brightness even though it's cloudy day but yeah I think that had a massive impact on me and then as I told Chope last week um just work in terms of the writing and stuff it's just adjusting and making sure that that balance is there so I think you know right now I'm not too inundated I had two deadlines this week but got through them surprisingly easily so it was just the procrastination which plagues us all and now you know we're just recording this weekend so after this I'm just going to catch up with some documentaries I watched Tiger Woods is one the two-parter on HBO was really good really 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 good um and yeah like all my favorite shows are back you know shout out Franklin you know watching um the crack epidemic led by Damson Idris you know it's a great um it's a great show and um I think you know I'm just happy I'm in a really good space now and hopefully you know this year continues and this season continues to be a good one so very long answer but yeah feeling good how are you eden and how are you shopping uh shopping do you want to go next? of course you would say that <laughs> yeah i mean you know same old same old um i'm just here trying to survive make taking it day by day um i'm so happy that we're in march because it means we're inching closer and closer to the end of this tumultuous year wait what um what do you mean wait what march what? end of this year like i said i'm glad we're in march because we're approaching the end slowly but surely the end of this tumultuous year like we're making it through that's do you mean in the context of like the pandemic and like lockdown and stuff yes okay all right all right timelines wise that makes a lot of sense okay cool i mean obviously the pandemic the effects of the pandemic will be here for a while obviously but it appears that this year will be i guess the last hard one i'm you know that's how it's 
appearing to be. But um, yeah, you know, just taking it one day at a time and, you know, capitalism's going to capitalism. I'm definitely, unfortunately, in the swing of work again. Um, mm. Yeah, work is very tiring and draining. Um, fulfilling, I guess, like I'm working on some cool stuff. But, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I don't really know what else to say, really, but I'm I'm just still here. <laughs> That's good. Uh, for me, you know, I keep it 100 on this podcast. I've been in a kind of depression for months now, um, which I'm slowly coming out of thanks to therapy and um, kind of just talking out with my parents and kind of just being present in the kind of present moment. I definitely kind of um, am more spiritual than I was before. So um, there are some kind of like Buddhist beliefs that I have now and practices that I kind of follow every single day. Um, just to kind of Very yeah be be more present in the present moment um, and kind of just like a shout out to myself because I don't really celebrate my successes um, I did qualify in mental health first aid last week um, which was a massive success for me because mental health has kind of been ever present in my life um, and I'm glad I'm going to be able to help people um, who are going through uh, so many different things so that's amazing um, and yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a hard few months and I didn't really know if I was coming back to this podcast, to be honest. Um, I think I feel like I've still got a lot of things that I need to work out mentally um, before even kind of making a decision on that. But obviously, Nick and Shopee and I, we've all been working on this podcast for almost it's going to be three years this year. And um, it's just been growing year on year and support has been amazing. And the community that we have and people who listen into the podcast, it's always genuinely really appreciated. Um, so much so that we put so much time and effort into making sure that we kind of produce the best show possible. So once again, just want to say thank you to everyone who listens to Don't Let The Stands and kind of rocks with us individually. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you very much. That is all from me, really. I'm um, um, just going to see how it goes. Eden, just um, to jump in and say that thank you for coming back on this week because, you know, no one knows the behind the scenes and, you know, me and Chope were holding it down for Eden and that's not to celebrate ourselves at all. We're just saying that we were prepared for him to be off for the whole season. And if and that is to tell you listeners, if there's a week again, you know, next week, week after, whatever, where Eden steps away or, or one of us steps away, you know, then that is just the case. It, it, uh, we, we are three friends, three brothers who put our mental and physical health before anything because... We don't want to let you down in terms of the podcast being bad for listening experience. And number one, we don't want to record if we feel bad. What's the point in bringing that energy um, to ourselves and and to you guys, the community who listen to us? So I just wanted to say thank you for coming back. Um, and I, I, it sounds like you're getting better. You're not better yet. You said you had some things to work on and, and it's a, mental health is a constant thing. But I just wanted to say on, on air or on recording, thank you for being believing in yourself and being strong um and at the same time we're there for when you're not strong because we we all aren't strong 100 percent of the time as well so i just wanted to say that and um for the listeners you know take it easy on us you know what we're humans and we we all experience hardships mentally and physically as well which which can contribute to us not being here sometimes no thank you very much for that nick and um I don't actually think I said it. Shout out to you guys, both Shopping and Nick, for holding down the show last week because it was very last. I 
like I know it's behind the scenes, but it was very last minute that I was like, guys, I can't do this. Literally the Friday before we were recording on Saturday. Um, and you guys accommodated that. So thank you very much for that. Um, and hopefully, fingers crossed, um, if something like that does happen again, I can just say, guys, much earlier. I can't do this right now. I just need my space. But saying that, let's bring up the energy a bit, bring up the vibrations. Um, let's get into the music section. So Shope, do your thing, man. Right. So we are now going to get into listens. Um, mine is centered around two artists this week. So firstly, we have Serpent With Feet. Um, the song is called Same Size Shoe. That song actually came out, I think, around the beginning of February. But um, And I really enjoyed it when it came out anyway. But then he dropped a video for it early this week. That's kind of um, revitalized um, my appreciation for the song and my love for the song. And I've definitely been playing this pretty much almost every day this week. I really, really thought the video was really adorable and really beautiful and really wonderful um so for those of you out there who have not seen the video especially um any um black and queer gender non-conforming people out there it's uh yeah it's a, it's a riveting watch and um um so yeah but i'm just very happy um that he's back um he'll be, re he'll be releasing his second album at the end of this month called deacon and it's interesting because when i interviewed him last year um he did mention that the album because I interviewed him around his EP apparition last year. Um, he said the album would be a lot lighter and a lot more happier in spirit and mood. And it's funny because I really have felt that just from this song and the other song he put out called Fellowship. And it's just like, it's really cool because it's kind of always sat in this really uh, like kind of dark, somber space sonically. And even not even necessarily sonically, but also just in kind of like the energy and vibe of his music. It's like very melancholy. But like, it's just kind of really cool to just hear him kind of like this. But in like, as I was saying before about artists who are growing, like these are, it's like a natural progression. It's not like, it doesn't feel forced or it doesn't feel so out of the way for him. It's like, it still sits in what I know of him and why I love him so much. But like, I can see that he's like moving in a different direction. And yeah, like it's very bright. Like it's strange because it's not like, these songs aren't club bangers, but it's just like, it's like you said, the spirit of these songs are just very uplifting and jubilant and they're kind of like, yeah, a bit summery and sunny. But um, yeah, same size shoe. I love, I love the song. Love him. I think he's, he's really, really, um, really great. Um, great, great, great songwriter. I can't um, express that enough, how much of his pen is just, is incredible. Um, so that's one. And then secondly, the second artist is um, Dawn Richard. I've definitely been all up in her this week. Um, if you guys followed me um, three weeks ago when she released the first single of her, her, late, her, well, her upcoming album, Second Line, Bust It For Me, I, you know, I stand. I think you, you saw that. And we discussed it on the Stay Busy podcast when we guested there. And um, I don't know, but I've just been listening to some of her other shit recently. So, like, you dropped a song called Butter at the beginning of 2020 and I always loved that song and I've just always I've just always loved that song for some reason that's just been on my spirit this week that's just been on my heart this week and then I've also I revisited her last album New Breed which came out in 2019 which admittedly saying even though I did like the album I did think that it kind of uh didn't compare to some of her her other works and but I wasn't revisiting it this this week, two years later. Um, it was a really good album. It was a really good album. It was very different. 
But yeah, it was a really, really good album. I really like the the, the the song structure on some of these songs. And I really like how she kind of really got out of what she kind of is known for because she's very much sits in like the electronic space and like the old R&B space. But this was kind of way more sonically and way more free and just loose. Like there was elements of funk and disco on this album. There was uh, reggae on this album. There was like synth pop on this album. Like, um, yeah, and it's just like, yeah, it's just like a very fun, free album. And like, it's very much, um, I love the interludes. They were all her her elders, her mother, her father, uncles, um, talking about New Orleans culture, New Orleans dance culture. And yeah, so I've just really been really fucking with that album this week. And I realized how much, um, not that I slept in it, because I, def- I definitely had favorites on it last time, even when it was out. But there's some, yeah, this was a really, um really good project. So like, I have to shout out uh, Shades, Jealousy, We Diamonds, and um, also even like the last song called Ketchup and Po' Boys. Like, it's, it's an outro, but it just makes me smile because obviously me and Nick went there a few years ago and I had Po' Boys. It's like, oh, okay, I get it. I mean, I get the culture. Woo! <laughs> um, so yeah um, and then also I've been listening to another song from her first solo album called Golden Heart and that's a song called Break of Dawn and I just love how what's what I can use for that song it's like a very heroic kind of song it's kind of like a, it's really, I feel like it's a really good song for anyone that is really just feeling low or feeling lost like it really is like an empowering song because that whole album the Golden Art album is kind of her like it's her trajectory about coming from the embers of, of the dark side and the low points in her life in the music industry and kind of like how she kind of overcame all that and overcame these expectations of who she's and who she should be and that song in particular is kind of like really stepping in to her own skin and being comfortable with that so Break of Dawn I don't know why that's so and it also kind of has like to me if R&B existed during the Game of Thrones Lord of the Rings time that's what that song production would sound like I know that sounds that's a weird thing to say but if you hear it you may know what I mean but um and a lot of the production on that was like as I call it Games and Thrones R&B Lord of the Rings R&B it's just like very yeah I don't know but the production that is like very very unique so yeah shout out to Dawn man as I've been saying like you guys need to stop sleeping on her She's been she's been giving us madness for sixteen years, but as a solo artist for a good eleven years now. So yeah, serpent with feet, my guy, and Dawn Rashad. Like those my my listens for the week. So I've only got one listen for the week. I haven't been really listening to a lot of music. Um, I've got Tyron by Slow Tie. Mm. So I love this album. As do I. I can't even lie to you. As do I. I love it. I've been really really enjoying it, and um. For me, Slow Tie is someone who has had to grow on me um, quite slowly, to be honest. I didn't really listen to his first project that much, um, but I love this project just because of how how wacky it is, but then how serious it can be in certain parts. Um, and the music videos are very creative. You can see there's kind of a global appeal to Slow Tie at the moment. Um, and I saw his um, performance on, oh, what's it called again? Uh, what did he perform on again, Chopin? Um, the, the... I mean, he's performed on quite a few places recently. <laughs> okay, let's just say that. So he performed in quite a few different places and um, it seems like there's a massive push for him at the moment. And this album just shows a lot of maturity. It shows a lot of awareness of kind of 
who he is as an artist and kind of the mixture of grime and hip hop and so many different genres that you can hear from him. So if you're outside of the UK and you've never heard of Slow Tie before, he is a UK rapper from Northampton. Um, and he has released two um, albums at the moment. The first one was kind of a critique of Brexit and um, the UK. It was called, um, what's it called? Nothing Great About Britain. And then the second one is called Tyron, which is his actual real name. So his name is actually Tyron. And um, I would definitely recommend it to you guys. Check it out if you can. If you do like kind of like fun music, um, check it out. I would say if you like people like Tyler, the creator, for example, um, and like Odd Future, you'll definitely like Slow Tide. I'm so glad you said um, that because when when um, that album came out, so I also enjoyed it too. Um, it came, it came mm. out before we started recording again. I was listening to a lot of Slow Tide and Brockhampton at the same time. And as you know, Brockhampton are undoubtedly children of Odd Future. 100%. And yes, I'm, I'm just thought, and I said to Nick actually last week that I kind of like this punk rap thing that we kind of have with Slow Tie, Brockhampton, Denzel Curry, who I also love, and Rico Nasty. So yeah, whatever that sound is, and I know Kenny Beats Brooks for all of them, just yeah, keep going, keep going. I love you all. <laughs> yeah, they're all amazing. I'd also just want to give a shout out to one song that I've been listening to a lot. So this is more of a song I listen to for mental health reasons. It's called Sunshine by Tom Mish. Um, and if you are in a place, uh, I would definitely recommend that song. Uh, he just he just seems to know the rhythm of um, kind of getting you out of dark places. He's a, he's an amazing artist and I've spoken about him so many different times as well. So that's Sunshine by Tom Mish and that is it. Cool. Um, yeah, I think Tyrone is a really good project. It's a strong project as well. Um, and I think there's some redeeming arcs on that on that album. It will just be, you know, some he's slow tied like professionally as someone I proceed with caution with, but um, musically never never misses for me. So we'll see what happens. But I, I definitely like what lyrically he discussed on the project as well, and very ambitious in who he worked with on the project as well um tried some very unique things but um that's not on my listens this week um but what i did listen to is a toronto collective called notorists um they've only got like 710 listens on spotify so this is really like emerging but um they released a song called I think it was Like Lava, their latest release, which led me into kind of a paper trail on what they've released prior. Um, so I particularly like the song Dumbo. I just love, you know, some of the slang that is used there in the song. I think it it's very reminiscent of um, British slang, obviously London slang, to be more specific, because geographically Toronto is kind of like a cousin to us just in terms of history and culture and how the two um, immigrant histories reflect one another more recent immigrant history that is um, but we've spoken about that on the podcast before so I'm not going to get into the nuances but um, yeah Dumbo is really cool I think you know this collective um, there's a bunch of them in there and I think they are definitely five independent acts who are going to hopefully help shape the landscape of Toronto's 
future in rap and, and hip hop and stuff. Um, if you didn't know, um, Drake obviously had dropped yesterday and I think him doing the visuals in Toronto, which I found out five of friends was wrapped the day before at 5am in the morning. So shout out to those creatives who got the video done so quickly. But um, yeah, the fact that it was filmed in Toronto and like showed homage through OVO sounds um, that played in collaboration with this whole release that Drake had. I think there's an awakening happening again because um, local Toronto acts aren't played as much on radio. If you don't know, like the conventional radio, um, the emerging talent that is. And I've been told that via like loads of people who live there and stuff. So I think the digital spaces are where they're going to win. And I think these guys, Notorious, their visuals um, that accompany some of their songs um, are definitely very inspiring and just aesthetically pleasing so um yeah drake shining a light on these acts and then these acts just being great in their own right anyway i think that will help shape the next wave of um toronto talent like notorists um they're inspired by grime as i said like obviously like a cousin of us as well so like you can hear those grime intonations in some of those their songs and i think you know they're just a a children of the diaspora in that the, glo- the world is so globalized now and, and complex- complexly interdependent that I think that they will only thrive when they, you know, dabble and ex- continue to experiment in, in the global sounds to which they love and their ear kind of takes privy to. So I think the song that I would highlight is obviously Dumbo. Um, if you want to get into something newer, I think their their song like Lava is great. And I think they're just sonically really diverse. Like you can hear a song that's really aggressively rap, really aggressively grime driven and drill driven in some of the production soundscapes. But then you can hear that kind of alt pop um, sometimes what Tyler the Creator delves into the electronic pop soundscapes as well. Um, future sounds as well definitely in their their remit i could hear them collaborating with the gold link um in future so um yeah i think these are great these these guys are great and i think you know hair squared um from islands is someone they should you know consider probably collaborating with um in in future too so dumbo is the direct recommendation but they've only got like four or five songs on spotify um so definitely give them a listen they've only got 710 you can be like a new listener or something like follow these guys as hopefully they continue to blow up but um yeah very intrigued and i will be watching these guys like because every song hits in a completely different way and and likens to a variety of genres that I love so that's what I just love about them too so that was first my first um kind of listen of the week second is a song by and I don't want to butcher this name it's getting so hard to sometimes like pronounce these artists names um I am Dochi I think um and it's on her latest um project Oh the places you'll go um again just a complete genre blender um one son- side of her song sounds really ambient the other sounds like a, a kind of as I just mentioned like a Rico Nasty track that you would hear as well and something that you can hear aggressively in in her early part of this song yucky blucky fruitcake is um and visually because she she dropped a visual as well um in the last two weeks is that Nicki Minaj has um a lot of children um 
in this industry and you'll know that you know you can see it in doja cat we you know we've seen it in in pretty much a lot of the mainstream rap women that are at the forefront of the sound of hip-hop right now um but this this particular woman is is her direct child in terms of even how she growls on the record is how nikki would growl in in like a hello good morning um on some of the ends of you know i just came up ended a little i'm not going to do it exactly like her but like some of those growls at the ends of her lines i know exactly, exactly what you mean how, yeah i think every anyone who's listened to a nikki um will know and the eye rolls and the open eyes and the, the head throbs. Everyone, everyone knows Nikki, you know, you've watched the video, you know, you know exactly what she's given. And I think this girl does it in such a unique way. I think she's a blend of an Asian doll and Nicki Minaj, a Rico. Um, and I'm trying to think of someone, there's someone else in there as well. Um, there's someone else I'm thinking of, but if it comes to me while I'm talking about her, um, I'll, I'll say it. But I think, yeah, she goes from there and then she goes into kind of a, as I said, the, the ambient side of her sound is like a Tierra Whack meets No Name. I think there's a lot of different influences in there and I really like her. I believe she's from New York. It sounds like she's from New York. I did not do my research before this podcast. I should have. Boo me, but um, I think she is from there. I will update you guys um, if I find out throughout the show or next week or something. But yeah, the song is called Yucky Blucky Fruitcake. It sits she's from Tampa, Florida. Oh, she sounds like she's been living in New York. Maybe she's been recording there, but thank you for finding that and fact checking for me. Um, that's even doper because um, I think Florida has its own unique movement in hip hop as well um if you think back to trina days even to what city girls are doing right now like there's a complete sound over there that's different trick daddy like there's so many different um sounds in the south and and that's something we need to get to too so hopefully i am dochi can kind of in in her future discography um show some of reminences of that in in some of her sound but this ep is really dope and really expansive some of that ambient sound that you get on the second half of yucky blucky fruitcake is throughout the ep as well um which is seven tracks long and i think you know she she's definitely a girl with a story and i love her narrative arc in in this song as well it just kind of shows how she is you know um the kind of no friends person in school but then gets gravitation towards her as she right she rose as a teenager and then how her parents were with her there's just a lot of different um narrative arcs there so i think how she conveyed that is dope and as i said the visual and an audio part in the first part of the song will give you that Nicki minaj flair in there but then she's still that got that distinctiveness of like an an alt rap girl like an asian doll or, or, or rico nasty as well so yeah so many influences there really love that particular song but get into the whole ep to know what she's about and again she's very very early in her career so it would be great to kind of you know follow her and see see what happens and see how she grows too um have i been listening to anything else this week i mean i guess we could talk about drake you know maybe we can that's a bit surprising for me but um as i said you know drake um well you all know this anyone who's listening to the podcast he did drop his latest little um ep i know people wanted an album but he's still in album mode but it's called scary hours 2 as you know um i think pretty much all three of us had drake fatigue last season um and had seen you know see wanted to see the last of him so when he dropped this i was like oh this is annoying but i was definitely going to watch the visuals i was definitely going to watch the visuals which brought me to obviously what's next um 
And Drake is cocky as fuck on this song. He's like, um, Valentine's Day, he had sex, you know, he's he's recovering from his 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 injuries. You know, he tried to put those plastic surgery rumors to rest. He is watching the internet, you know. Um, if many of you know, he was on Clubhouse. He did make appearances while he was at home and stuff like that. So he's definitely on social media, is creeping, lurking, listening under different usernames. So we know, we know that Aubrey is here. So um, yeah, this song kind of tackles the rumors. It, it shows homage, homage to his city. Um, the video is amazing, as I just kind of discussed in an earlier listen. Um, and I think it just shouts out, you know, someone I know it's even his 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 um former dorm roommate. So this is how small Toronto's creative industry is um in terms of you know the the rappers and, and kind of who they employ as as creative. So I think that Drake showing love to his city like that. I'm just gonna read the di- director, um, Theo Scordra. So that might be the person that my friend was talking about. But um, there's just a lot of extras and assistants, and th- there's so many people here. I think this is one of the most expansive, um list of who's involved that I've kind of seen um so yeah I'm, I, it's a great that they all get shouted out they're probably going to get their next project off of this um but yeah there's some really great video girls who were excited to kind of get their chance and I think the synergy between views the album cover um and and the shot of him looking down at the, um, Toronto whether that was CGI or um real is is amazing I think that that will that image that pan shot will just be you know known for him for for years I think it's one of his better visuals in the last couple of years to be honest him on the trains you know in Toronto I think it's just like you know how New York rappers London rappers have so much pride um in in their visuals you'd see a you know an an ASAP Rocky sometimes you would see a Stormzy you'd see all of those highbrow kind of rappers show love to their their respective regions I think Drake doing this in Toronto will, will show even more rappers that their their city is on right now. And I think it's, I saw a lot of people dissecting the visuals like, damn, I remember being there or damn, I remember being at this location. So I was like, it's beautiful that, you know, they have the biggest rapper in, in, in pop rap or rap, whatever you want to call it right now, but they have the, one of the biggest artists in the world. And it's beautiful to see that continue. And it's interesting to see where he goes next, but you know, these songs themselves, let's get into the actual songs. What's next. Um, obviously, as I said, addresses the rumors. I think, um, it's not anything unique from what we've heard from Drake before. I'm not going to lie. Um, but do you know what? I liked, um, the lyrics. I liked that he's, you know, getting competitive again. I liked the, um, even though it wasn't lyrically complex on this particular song, I feel like just him being a bit more, yeah, I'm going to address you people that were chatting about me instead of just be so introspective that I'm feeling sorry for myself is a great juxtaposition instead. Um, so it's great like to see him just cocky and, you know, braggadocio and like I'm, I'm still at the top. I like that competitive spirit. So hopefully on the album, there's more of that, but then the lyrics even more aggressively like his early career you know that's where I really want to see Drake go and on a production level you know same old we're in the we're in this ecosystem of kind of Drake's comfortable I'm not gonna lie to you he is comfortable and you can hear that in terms of the production it's not it's not it's very simplistic in terms of what we're, what we're hearing as well. But I, what, one thing I do want to say is like the animated parts of the production in terms of like the sounds that you'd probably hear in an arcade and on nostalgic games. Like I think one of the producers is named after like the Mario Brothers games. Um, I think that's fun, but I just think the holistic 
um, production offering is quite, we've heard this before. And I think in Trap, we're in a place where that is very commonplace. So I think, you know, Drake needs to, you know, OVO Camp, 40, all of them need to harness a new direction for him sonically. I think that's that would be great. Um, the song of Little Baby, Say Me Again, um, you know, it is what it is, but we'll, we'll skip over that because it was kind of a miss for me, but we'll go to Lemon Pepper Freestyle, Rick Ross. Okay, the best um, song on the project. Yeah, it was really good. I think there was no hook on there. It was just, you know, six or so minutes of braggadocio rap, luxury rap. Um, and I did a tweet earlier this week and I said that, you know, and I didn't know this was coming, by the way. It just divine timing is a crazy thing. I kind of just said that I would love to. And it was because I was listening to an old Rick Ross and Drake collaboration. And um, funnily enough, I was like, um, I would love if they did a collaborative project back in 2012-13. Now I know people were, or 2011 to 13 period, but I know that people loved this collaboration, but in the span of their collaborations across the years, you can definitely tell that their earlier collaborations and the soundscapes that they were on before that were their better collaborations, if that makes sense. Now it kind of, you know, Rick Ross is Rick Ross. And I've always, I said this last week, even when we were speaking about his performance, um, his recent live performance. But um, even with, you know, now, I think as I, it, it goes to the problem I just spoke of, of Drake feeling comfortable. Um, yes, he was competitive. Yes, he was very um, intricate in his delivery on this song but I still there's still a tugging to me that's like Drake isn't the same Drake and there's an old Drake and there's a new Drake you know what I mean so I feel like the collaboration still stood and still gave us that that remnants of nostalgia but I still I'm still like damn like a collaborative project back then would have been the cup of tea that I needed you know what I mean I really would have loved and it. definitely better than that future one yeah a hundred percent in the timeline of things but still you know I like a few songs on that record you know what a time to be alive but like I loved that um and some of them for the club you know in that setting definitely you know they definitely had a formula for success on some of the singles maybe like three of them but in terms of Rick Ross and Drake uh, a project was yearning to be released in that early 2011-2013 period and it would have been welcomed with open arms and I think it would have sold really well because you know Aston Martin Music we've got there's a whole list of collaborations that they had during that period the one with Khalid back then which is the one I think I was listening to on um on Tuesday and just felt really nostalgic back then but um I think Lord knows free spirit yeah there's they've got a whole they have a whole album to be honest with you if you brought it together at this point because they just make so many appearances um either with other parties or just solo together um so Drake Drake and Rick Ross are a collaborative force and I think that song you know on this EP was welcomed but I'm gonna just need Drake to get a bit more competitive again and that is the reason why I wanted him to go on a longer break um because I think he would have found some re-inspiration to kind of take us but I'll tell you one thing it was better than Demons um and it you know I think hopefully this album sounds a little bit more expansive that's the one ask because on three songs if i'm like damn like if this is a whole album i'm gonna be bored um it's there's something to be said but the positives are the rick ross feature 
his com- cockiness, like on the first song, um, and the visuals that kind of took us to Toronto. Those are the three positives. Um, and he had a good rollout with OVO Sound Radio, which I kind of said around the Toronto artists feeling validated, you know, and he played some grime acts, he played some dancehall acts, some reggae acts. So a whole eclectic mix of who he's been inspired by. So, you know, Drake is, you know, the rollout, the OVO sound needs to stay because it's the, one of the only platforms putting on for his hometown right now. I think he should he should really consider making this a, a staple. I think he could culturally gain even more significance if he continued that radio station in a real professional capacity um, because that could change some artists' lives, especially back home where he's from. But um, yeah, that is a bit of a first listen for you. It was only released yesterday. Um, And Drake isn't completely annoying me right now, which is shocking. 2021, the year of surprises. So we'll see if the album comes later this year, hopefully early next year. But knowing Drake, it will drop at summer in summer at some point. So we'll see. But we'll head into news unless any of you wanted to talk about this project or any of the ones that I mentioned but we can segue into the news if not. I just want to say that I personally, I was pleasantly surprised by the Drake EP. I I mm-hmm. was, like, when I saw you release, I was like, ugh, again, <laughs> you're back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I saw, I saw yeah. okay, it's only three songs, fine, why not? And mm-hmm. I played it. I really, I didn't, yeah, the, sec, the Little Baby song was a bit meh for me. But the first song mm-hmm. and the one of Rick, I was like, okay. I really enjoyed them. I really liked it. And I still think I don't want to hear from him till 2023. But um, I preferred this, even though it's only three songs, I far preferred this over Dark Lane demo tapes. Yes, that's what, yeah. 100%. And and maybe, maybe, just maybe, this new album I actually may enjoy. Because the last Drake album I truly enjoyed was More Life. Yeah, yeah. So there's been a few projects in between that. So clearly in that time you've kind of you know grown a yeah, bit bored Aubrey Aubrey Graham so you know Aubrey you know you're not going to lose the fans I saw some people calling this a classic Ugh. within minutes so <laughs> you know you still your position in music is still intact you know you're still Aubrey you know Toronto you've probably reinvigorated with the visuals so they're on side for the next album but um you know, I loved, as I said, the synergy to views and the artwork. I was like, yeah, chef's kiss to the directors on that visual because, you know, I, I just want legendary visuals now. I really want to see some real creativity and some legendary visuals. So, and um, I know in his trailer for this album, there was synergy between all his projects. So hopefully we're bringing great Drake back. And there's some elements there of of the Drake we, we know and love, whoever that is. Um, for all of us but let's head into the news of the week there's some items this week that we have to discuss so the first of which is taking us to the, the west indies you know jamaica um if you didn't know obviously we tweeted it out um believe it was shop tweeted it out about um bunny whaler uh if you don't know um a Jamaican instrumentalist, artist, one of the forefathers, um, alongside, you know, the group The Wailers and of course Bob Marley, Peter Tosh, etc. etc. Um, a Grammy winner, a great, just, you know, a, a proponent of reggae music, you know, an architect, a founder, you know, just 
the guy, you know, or one of the guys. But, um, you know, it's, it's sad to report, you know, but hopefully at peace and at rest. But he, you know, he died on the 2nd this month. Um, and he was aged 73, I believe. Um, and, you know, it's, it's sad news. You know, we saw the world mourning. We saw Jamaicans mourning. Um, the reports that came from Kingston, Jamaica themselves. Um, and, you know, I think this is bittersweet because you, when someone is older, even though he's not old, 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 like the 90s, but, you know, still 70s, you know, it's you want someone or the elders, whether they're generational or familial, but um, you want them to be at peace and at rest, especially when you see pain and stuff like that. But, um, you know, at the same time, it's like, wow, like legacy, you know, but at the same time, it's celebratory because the legacy with reggae that was been that was able to be achieved in the time it was is great and you think to you know you think to the architects as I just mentioned the whalers the group you think of Bob Marley you think you think of the lineage that came from the island and the, the Caribbean at large um, and I think so much was done you know so much was done so to say RIP is bittersweet you know and hopefully more sweet I want to take away the sweet components from it but um Whaler died at Andrew's Memorial Hospital in the Jamaican parish of St Andrew um and it was complications um from a stroke uh in July so the complications continued of course and led to you know the eventual death so as I said that bittersweet pain because I've seen older relatives you know in the hospital suffering from things of this nature and it's like you just kind of want them to go you kind of just want them to go because it's like you how much is life worth if it's so much pain you know what I mean so Jamaica's obviously prime minister um Andrew Andrew Holness also paid tribute to Whaler calling him a respected elder statement, of course, of the Jamaican music scene um, in on Twitter through a series of tweets. This is a great loss for Jamaica, he said, and for reggae, undoubtedly, um, Bunny Weather will always be remembered for his sterling contribution to the music industry um, and wider Jamaican culture. Um, so I definitely am saying RIP, you know, rest in peace is the first thing. Um, but I just also want to say, you know, Thank you to the people who've come before us um, and for the contributions that you have given us in, in the industry as well. I think there are so many albums that I could name, but there's, there's, there's lists on lists on lists on lists of releases. Like some, some one thing about the older generation, they're going to release loads of projects. You know, if you know how many albums Prince, for example, release, you'll know that some, some of these discographies can be really expansive. And I think, you know, there's over 20 projects on here that, that were released. So this is a real artist experimenting. So uh, I just want to say, you know, RIP to one of the greats from home back home and you'll always be, you'll always be a generational figure um, and a legend, you know, in Jamaican community and, and the world at large for close um, fans of, of the genre of reggae, you know. So rest in peace and this is a celebration. So I applaud you and um, your contributions just as a person and as a musician. So if anyone else has anything to say, jump in. 
I'm thinking of Shoppe and then I'm thinking of Eden. So both of you, whatever, whatever you have to say. So I was having a conversation with my dad recently um, about Jamaica in particular, because I was saying of all the countries that I've been to, Jamaica is a place that has a certain type of energy about it. Like it's always alive Um, because we were talking about COVID and what's going on in Jamaica and how people are still going out and people are kind of like still kind of just getting on with life and stuff out there. And like when I think about Jamaica, I just think of how alive it is because of the music, because of the culture, because of as a people, we're very energetic and um, our spirits are very full. So when it comes to losing a great someone who contributed to a culture that is so global, um, how, how Jamaica as such a small island is able to influence so many different sounds and artists you have to kind of pause for a minute and kind of appreciate the fact that this was someone who left an impact on the world. Um, and we all have our own purposes and are here for a reason. Um, but I think the way we look at death in, in light of someone stepping fully in their purpose, we need to understand that it is sad, but at the same time, he lived a very full life. He was able to give to his people and um create a, a um a, a foundation that allowed a lot of people to come after him and i think that's amazing i think what he's done and um what his music will continue to do is something that will forever be in my heart as a jamaican and um in my families and kind of around the world as well um i don't think we ever will forget the kind of contributions that jamaica as an island but also um, the Whalers and um, Bob Marley, all of these different people who are no longer with us have had. And um, I just want to say thank you to him um, and to his spirit. I wish him the the best crossover possible. Um, so, yeah, those are my thoughts. Um, for me, I think when this news broke, I initially first off thought about my dad because um, the Whalers as a group and as solo artists were staples in my childhood and me growing up, even though I've, I'm a Nigerian. Um, my dad is a massive fan, massive, massive, massive fan. Like CDs in the car, vinyls in the shed, like I said, as a group and individually. So they've been a part of my life for a very long time and it definitely instill very positive memories and just and arguably my earliest memories of music spoilers and amongst other artists as well but definitely Pia Tosh, Bob Marley, Bunny Whaler and the Whalers as a group and um I just and I didn't really I didn't realize till reading the news that he was the last surviving member I didn't realize that I was like oh wow so wow all three of them are now no longer with us and um I also just want to um, say thank you for your contributions for your music and uh, the legacy that you've left and also just the the culture that you were able to popularise on a worldwide global stage, you know, because the Whalers alongside Toots and the Maytals and Jimmy Cliff and those other brilliant artists were really responsible in making reggae music and ska music the worldwide force it is today, that it would later inspire so many wonderful artists that have come after them. And um, I've, um, I actually just want to shout out Bunny's, because obviously we could, we could talk about the Whalers, and I actually said on 
the Dats account that, you know, my personal, I love, I love the Kaya album. I, love X, I loved Exodus, Catch a Fire, all these classics albums. But I don't think people spoke enough about Bunny's solo work. Um, naturally so, because, you know, Bob was the biggest star, whatever, whatever. But Bunny had a lot of um, great music too. And I remember one staple CD that was in my car, on the, well, my car, my dad's car, <laughs> whenever we would be driving somewhere, it was Blackheart Man. And I've definitely revisited that album um, throughout this weekend. They're sort of just like, I don't know what it is. And what it is about reggae music that I just feel like I've never heard a bad reggae song or a bad reggae album. And when I hear stuff, when I hear that album and his other stuff, it's just like, it's just effortless quality to me. And it's just, this is what I've said to you and to, to both of you and Alex, like I'm waiting for the reggae brunch. I'm, I'm waiting for the, for the day party. <laughs> um so you know i, I just want to um shout out that particular album of course because i think as much as he was part of a legendary group of course you know who gave us such classics and standards of songs but yeah i want to shout out his own his own work too so and a particular song that i've really been listening to a lot this week from him is um fighting against conviction and reincarnated soul so that is my tribute mm. as the soul nigerian on the, on the show <laughs> No, I think you shouted out such a uh, pivotal album, you know, is the first one, you know, so I'm um, well first solo, but I think there's incredible arrangements there as well. And it's so funny as well that Bob was on the album, mm-hmm. you know, Bob Marley as well is back in vocalist as well and instrumentalist. So I think the the community were very much in touch with one another. And friends you know com- contemporaries but friends you know so the community our island is small but our island is you know everyone knows everyone in that sense so i definitely appreciate the shout out to the pro the project and i think reggae is a genre of liberation and i think that's what speaks to me about it as well and i think so many of our artists in this in the sound are are revolutionaries and they they kind of embody such a spirit that has taken off and probably inspired the likes of our no names and stuff today as well so i think it's it's incredible you know just the synergies and different genres and people in them so yeah shout out to that album if you get a chance the well the next week uh, from tuesday onwards to play it definitely play it if you haven't or just revisit it if you haven't it's a very spiritual album and i think that that genre in particular um as well as soca are two very spiritual genres and it's not the the music is not just uh mass released for the sake of mass release it's speaking to catharsism and other concepts as well so yeah um we will move on and just this is a celebration there's so much material as i just said you can get into um so get into it and just you know Hashtag respecting legends. Just enjoy, exactly. Hashtag respecting legends and just enjoy um, expansive discographies. Um, and I'm sure you'll find something you love, a song or or a wider compilation. So, um, yeah, we'll move on from the island of Jamaica. We'll move into some more petty news, which, you know, is what it is. Um, you know, it is what it is with this one. It is what it is. But, you know, a report from... This made it so big, which I didn't think when I saw the initial clip. Same. I didn't I didn't think it was going to get this big. I was like, oh, okay, this this story has really travelled. Yeah. When I started when I started researching, you know, UK platforms had picked it up and the, the likes of the Metro, which I'm about to read from, um, picked it up as well. But, um, yeah, this is an interesting one, I guess. 
But um, Matthew Knowles, who is Beyonce's father, um, and Solange's father, let's not erase here. But um, yes, he uh, was quite angry this week, or ir- let's call it irritated, you know, a bit less call it irritated. But he um, was irritated during an interview this week, um, and it was with a radio personality called um, Leah A. Henry. Um, and this, the particular platform if you want to go back and catch it is called Leah's Lemonade um and she had made the comparisons um between Beyonce and Chloe Bailey which is a part of the collective Chloe and Halle which assigned to Beyonce's Parkwood um yeah and just this comparison uh irritated Matthew so do you see the comparison like the same thing that you saw in a young Beyonce do you see that in a Chloe Bailey Leah Arks and Matthew's instant um response was you've got to be kidding me right so rhetorical question then he answered it for himself and said you're asking me that question are you actually serious that you were comparing that young lady to Beyonce that young lady being Chloe of course um Leah then added that the fans think Chloe, who uh, is 22 at the time, should play Beyonce in a biopic about her life. Um, So that's from the fans. Um, And Matthew was more open. This this kind of got him back to a place of normalcy. And he said... um, okay, you're talking about if someone was doing a movie not directly talent-wise, then he said talent-wise, um, are you telling me talent-wise somebody is an idiot enough to compare her to Beyonce talent-wise? Um, and he said that they say she's... Um, no, sorry, Leah responded here saying they say she's literally like a young Beyonce in the making. Um, Matthew then continued and said, I'm asking you... Um, a yes or no question are you telling me someone's an idiot enough to compare her to Beyonce talent wise are there people saying her talent is equal to Beyonce they're an idiot period um and that's it basically so this is the news of the week um yeah like is it yeah thoughts (laughs) like that, that there's nothing really else to say here but thoughts um I think for me I it was actually quite uncomfortable to watch it was actually quite tense. It was very awkward. And I just, I didn't understand why Matthew had so much energy. I just didn't get it. It was just like, it wasn't an insult. It wasn't putting down. And and all, I think first and foremost, I don't think he realises that your daughter manages and mentors this young lady. So it's not like it's some completely random person. It's like, this is someone you don't say is closely associated with. <laughs> and secondly, it's a compliment to her. It's like, it's like he wasn't. They weren't saying Chloe's better or more, whatever. Because the lady clearly said, and also people on the timeline have been saying is that a young Beyonce. Obviously, no one can compare Beyonce now. You know, she's been twenty plus years in the game, very seasoned. You know, she's worked her ass off. You know, undoubtedly one of the best performers of all time. But Chloe, you know, I can say this, and obviously can say it too. That you know, she's twenty two years old, and she's already showing the makings of someone who's going to be a dynamite former one day already at such a young age and I definitely think that when Beyonce was at her age it was given a similar kind of energy so I don't really think that's <laughs> I didn't understand why he was so incensed by it like um so yeah that was my fault I just didn't I just didn't understand why he was just so angry by it like it wasn't an insult it wasn't putting anyone down it was just yeah like she, she said it like do you see what you saw in her and Beyonce at a young age and I don't think that's 
an odd question to ask. They are. De- it's clear. It's clear as day that Chloe's inspired by her. Clear. Very clear. Vocally, her mannerisms, performance on stage. And even just like, you know, their ear as artists and as writers and vocal arrangements, like it's very clear. So I just didn't understand. But that's my thoughts. You know, Matthew Knowles, you know, do you? Maybe he was just having a bad day, to be honest, because like it it does seem a bit kind of confusing about him having a reaction like this. He could have just said no, but um he didn't. So in terms of do I'm get I'm guessing the question is, do we see it? Like all three of us, do we see it? For me personally, I don't pay enough attention to Chloe and Halley's career to actually comment on that. Um, but like Chopin said, there is a connection between Beyonce and Chloe and Halley because she manages them and she's and they're signed to her. So I don't know, man. I feel like part of this is he got offended because of the amount of work he's put into Beyonce's career. So this, he's making it more about him um, than it is about kind of Beyonce and um, the work that she's put in to become the kind of the the legend that she is so i don't know it's a bit of a weird reaction but what can you do imagine if it was in person that's just the the energy was just oh whoa (laughs) yeah it's very weird i think it's it's a weird one because i think with beyonce whether you're her family or not there's this weird attraction and I, i think i would say obsession as well at the same time but i think there's a weird kind of um attachment i'll say um with her in that there can't be a discussion around people that are in the same ecosystem as her whereas like there's michael comparisons every minute (laughs) i've seen the press releases there are every minute um there's you know janet jackson comparisons there's there are so many children even tanache we know is a child of janet directly there's so many madonna associations there's so many whitney associations ariana mariah there was that whole thing when um ariana was coming up so it's kind I'm of glad you said it's, that. it's weird like beyonce isn't a crown jewel that will never be topped or compared or anything like that do you know what i mean it's so weird like the the fan obsession and the family obsession with her obviously family personal we're gonna get it you know that her mother and her father were very pivotal parts of her career she would not be Beyonce um without her parents of course every step of the way um up until a certain period and just her work ethic um funnily enough I was watching a a Tiger Woods documentary and his father was incessantly obsessed with his career like um from the time he was like four it was just this obsession like but yeah um Back then, parents, the MJ and Janet kind of thing, like the parents were very in their kind of um, children's kind of careers and stuff. Justin Bieber, we can think about as well. Um, But yeah, I think it's very much ego involved here on a level of no one can touch my daughter, um, even though that wasn't what was happening in the dialogue. And then number two, there's this personal investment because he created Beyonce to an extent from a business point of view as well as a work ethic point of view. So yeah, I just think, you know, Beyonce is, she could retire tomorrow at this point and it's absolutely fine. She's reached where she needed to go. Um, So your job is done and it's been done contractually for many years at this point. So I think it's time to kind of just step back. Your job is done in that capacity. Focus on your life, which you have been doing in some senses, business-wise as well. You, you, well, you have an obsession with DC reunion, but like <laughs> you, in terms of other stuff, like Mm. you have moved on to other projects and stuff like that so I think it's time to just 
divorce yourself of the personal and emotional attachment that comes into the business. Obviously, she's your daughter, but the business side of of Beyonce, it looks very weird in the light to me. And it's like, you know, legends can be topped in terms of talent and and kind of uh, material. You know, that's what time is for not for but that's what time leads to sometimes you know um people superseding some people and it chloe isn't by no means near that feat just yet or whatever but you know there's comparisons to it's just yeah. it's just a comparison and i think he's his mind's kind of went to the next thing and it's like is she the next but it's not saying that it's just saying that there's some influences there between the two of them and there are you know from vocal arrangement to staging and i'm sure she's probably integral to their staging in some senses or maybe even if it's just a whatsapp group because i know she uses whatsapp groups to so do some performances you know when when i spoke to jack all night like he said that so maybe they send whatsapp pictures to beyonce like is this the video great like is this arrangement cool and she just does a thumbs up kind of thing but there's a relationship there there's a there's a personal there's a business there's a business relationship there there's an investment in the development of a Chloe and Halle and I think we've seen that um through their last album and and indeed their other projects that they're doing right now too so I don't know it's weird um yeah it's very odd I just want to add on two points that you made that were really good so with the whole you know people legends can be topped or whatever like even if that was to happen it doesn't take away from what that person has done you know what I mean so, like, you know, there are people who have paved the way for other artists and um, went on to do bigger and better things, at least in a commercial sense or in a grand scheme of sense. But it doesn't take away from what the originator does. It's like their impact is still felt. And they, and once again, that's why people, people will forever do their research. But, like, oh, but the root is that. So if Chloe does whatever one day, some parts Beyonce, no one will ever not say that the root the, the influence was Beyonce and then even just in general like I, that's your point about how this comparison is like it's just commonplace in music everyone especially amongst women women are always compared to older female artists it's just that's been happening for decades it happens all the time so that was even more reason why I just didn't understand why Matthew was so upset because he should know that <laughs> like when Beyonce came out she was compared to people when when this child came out they were compared to other groups I just I just 100%. didn't understand <laughs> but uh, it's just a weird, it's just really weird, like whatever. But as Eden said, I think that human perspective comes in a lot as well because um, he may have had a day full of emails. He may have been like this fucking interview, you know what I mean? And stuff like that. And then he just got even more irate when he's like, oh, all this shit. And you're comparing my child to X, Y, and Z. Um, although I'm warranted, it's probably got some sort of personal context there or just um, emotional um context there as well but yeah your daughter's still a legend you're still paid you know hope you hope you're having a better day today (laughs) that's that's my kind of thing that's my kind of take on it and you know Beyonce will always be Beyonce and Chloe's and Harriet them and whoever we're talking about legend wise and artist wise is them you know in the marketplace and I think that context that you just laid out shopping is important too so yeah, I mean, this story is harmless, really, isn't it? Like, it's harmless, but it's just interesting, the reaction. But Matthew, 
relax. You know, I think that's the main sentiment. Just relax. You know, have, have a chamomile and honey. You know, maybe FaceTime your daughters and just spread the love this weekend. That that's that or um yeah, this weekend. This is when we're recording, guys. But yeah, spread some love this weekend. That's what I wish for you. Um, but we will move on into the next topic. I really want to breeze by this one because it's triggering. I'm gonna say trigger warning, you know, sexual um violence alleged in this in this portion but um i actually read this earlier this week but it's a huge kind of i don't know if i want to call it an expose because it's still alleged but it fits in that kind of lane but it's just a big kind of um reveal on what ti and tiny have been going through um and that is a criminal investigation um a lawyer is seeking a criminal investigation against the pair um i just want to shout out who did this report because it's very expansive and it's multi-layered um so i'll shout out melina rizik and i hope i'm not butchering the names here and then joe coscarelli um from the new york times this was published um on february 28th and updated on march 1st so very early starts of this month and the end of last month as well so this has been going on for a few weeks um the blogs have been talking about it uh twitter threads have been talking about it but this gained a bit more legitimacy this week ti had even addressed it on instagram a few weeks ago which i kind of watched it was an eight or so minute video i want to say of him on instagram live just uh denying all allegations that had been set against him um but I just want to give you a bit of a timeline of context before I dive into this but um oh sorry uh so T.I. and Tamika Harris Tiny um started circulating on social media uh a few weeks ago with sexual abuse and assault allegations um a lawyer has approached law enforcement authorities in two states seeking criminal inquiries on behalf of 11 people who said they were victimised by the couple or members of their entourage. Um, four of the women have accused the celebrity pair of drugging and harassing them uh, and assaulting them sexually, um, including two instances of rape, sorry, trigger um, warning as well. Uh, that was said to have happened in the in both Georgia and California. Um, and this was sent on the 19th of Feb. So as I said a few weeks ago, um, the lawyer's name is Tyrone A. Blackburn. If you want to research the story a bit further for yourself, um, to both state and federal prosecutors in both states. So both Georgia and California on both levels. Um, similar letters were sent to the attorneys, so obviously representative in, in general um, in those states. So Mr. Blackburn is a New York-based lawyer and said that the instances that were reported to him are eerily similar um, experiences that spanned over the course of a decade, uh, beginning in 2005, and the most recent allegations of sexual abuse occurred in either 2017 or 18, he hedged. Um, none of the women involved know one another um, based on public information, um, but described sexual abuse forced ingestion of illegal narcotics, drugs, um, kidnapping, terroristic threats, and false imprisonment. Um, at the behest of both obviously T.I. and his wife uh, Miss Harris aka Tiny um, and friends and associates as well. Um, 
his letters also included instances, so Blackburn's letters sent, um, of non-sexual intimidation, assault or harassment. So this is uh, those instances outside of the bedroom and outside of a sexual um, tone as well as sexual. Um, so... Yeah, a lawyer for T.I. and Tiny has said the couple deny in the strongest possible terms these baseless and unjustified um, allegations and and continued, we fully expect that if these claims are thoroughly and fairly investigated, no charges will be forthcoming. These allegations are nothing more than the continuation of a sordid shakedown campaign that began on social media. As I said, this has roots from a couple of weeks to months ago um, and now attempts to manipulate the press and misuse the justice system so that's what kind of was some of the remarks in the statement for coming from T.I. and Tidy's lawyer had kind of refuted the claims and kind of said they are baseless and based on social media um, drama. Mr. Blackburn's letters were collected by the officials to investigate the behaviour of T.I. and Atlanta um, superstar um, who's obviously goes by the real name Clifford J. Harris Jr. and Miss Harris um, who's also a music artist if you didn't know um, or former music artists. Um, so most of the clients were referred to anonymously in the letters uh, because they are in fear of both their life and safety, um, citing T.I.'s reputation as a powerful man who has been convicted in the past of federal weapons charges, if you didn't know. That's a bit of his background. So uh, the rest of the report on the New York Times just goes into each case um, and the anonymous kind of victim. So I'm not going to read too much of that because it's traumatic and triggering. But as of this week as well, T.I. lost his um, placement in the movie franchise Ant-Man um, in the latest film to come out as well. So he will not appear in that. And that is as far as the legal kind of aspects of the case uh, go so far. So we'll see what happens. But I just wanted to get some thoughts on what has happened as of late and what was revealed to kind of be in that in those letters um for me it's just really crazy how this is like continuing to unravel and i was particularly surprised to find out this goes back to 2005 2007 because i know this all initially broke out a few weeks ago um, and i just I, it's just i just don't understand what it is about the music industry and sexual assault and sexual violence and drugging people to to make those means i just don't understand and yeah I just I think I don't really have anything in particular to say of course I hope that you know justice is served and I hope that all the individual victims you know they're mentally and emotionally able to heal from this and move forward regardless of the legal outcome but um yeah I think for me it's just like as more details come out and as I read more anecdotes it's just it's pretty it's pretty asinine pretty insane and and I think that's I think just like I said just a range of stories it's like a, a woman's mother said this and this person said this there was you know different cities different locations different hotel rooms it's just like there's like a uh what's what I'm looking for there's like a, a chronic history here a chronic behavior between the two of them as individuals and um yeah it's especially interesting especially with Tiny's role in it not to say that women can't you know be involved in such actions but it's just it's just like because you know that i'm sure you saw some of the stories that apparently like some of these women like t uh, tiny was allegedly luring women under the guise of like you know employment or friendship or you know a babysitter and then they would yeah so i don't know 
those are my thoughts um i know that Eden didn't want to comment on this one um so yeah i think it, in my opinion it's just um it's hard to say this but in terms of what's going on with me too and stuff like it's not surprising um and i've heard stories like this not from ti <laughs> we're not going to put any allegations out there you know but um this is all alleged by the way just making sure you know any professionals that are playing this podcast right now but um yeah i've heard stories like this in music and wider entertainment you know so at this point i'm kind of numb to this stories as well like i think if we feel if we look at like what happened with tmz and you know uh r kelly and the, the the videos of these girls in the houses and all of that the, over the years and how that was treated and that was laughed at before me too let's let's keep it a buck here let's be really cognizant and honest with ourselves that that was laughed at and you know people were you know making light of the situation and making memes of the situation and i'm not saying that was everyone at all i'm just saying that that was definitely a part of the conversation you know so i think when it comes to these kind of things i'm just saying that the lineage of sexual violence sexual abuse in the music business and entertainment because we know hollywood had the me too moment first in the last couple of years and with things like on the record and r kelly's documentary as well um, we've seen it come to the foray in, in the music business and be reinvigorated again. So, you know, we have we have so many figures in music and I know there's so many stories which are now being plastered over in the background um, and covered up and, you know, hidden because at any waking moment in any given day, Me Too will continue. This is a light that's not going away anytime soon now that the torch has been, you know, lit aflame. So multiple figures are covering up right now and paying people to to tell uh to to back back them in the event that stories come out in the coming weeks months years etc so for this story you know in my opinion there's no smoke without fire obviously this is all alleged at this point but there's no smoke without fire so i'm sure that there'll be some more details to come um, and hopefully we'll find out some of the truth. I still think the extent of which we may never find out, like the, the true magnitude of the situation. But yeah, I just, at this point, from execs to rappers to rapper, to women in rap to accomplices to publicists to whatever like i think mm. to publications mm-hmm. you know we saw the fader mm-hmm. what happened a couple of years ago with the fader and um, pitchfork like had one as of late you know um exactly so i think there's a lot of record producers you know people in the background um i think there's a lot to be said and i think just experiences that I've had in the music business as well and certain parties I've been at and stuff like that. You know, there's, there's, I, I always say there's a spiritual feeling that you have um, and there's been situations I've been in where you just know evil is happening either in the room or adjacent. So I've always tried to personally remove myself from those situations, but um <sighs> money and power only exacerbates what's already there doesn't it um so that's all i can say um but yeah we haven't had it yet but i think we're slowly slowly but surely reaching a me too moment for the music 
industry. Like, there's been isolated incidents. Oh, Chopin, we're in there. We're in it. We're in it. The, the path is here. Like, do you know what I mean? It's just about um, who's... It's about who's next, in my opinion. I think it's in hip-hop, firmly. Um, pop, slowly, but steady. But I think in hip-hop specifically, we have reached the moment. I think it's not going away it's only going to accelerate in in the next couple of years months months to be honest i think there'll be more stories but what i mean is that yes that's what i'm saying like so it's definitely like it's definitely there's been um moments of it and it's kind of been like a it's kind of been a bit sporadic in terms of but what i mean is like when it happened in the acting world it was it seemed like remember that time i can't remember even what year it was but there was like a time you were literally hearing about random director this person random actor like it was like a daily thing we were hearing of a new person a new story that hasn't happened in music yet we've had isolated incidents we've had waves of it but i think that we're approaching a moment where it's literally and we're going to start coming about everything there's like this producer this rapper this singer this record label executive because you know even someone you know, there was even a few rumblings about L.A. Reid some years ago that kind of got swept under the rug. Oh, yeah, he's on the record. He's on. The, if you watch that documentary, he's there. And he did, well, allegedly, he did, you know, huh, huh. Look, if you play that documentary, I'm disgusted, personally, and there will never be a moment where there's, I personally talk to that man, from what I heard. There's stories about Diddy. Yeah. So, and Diddy has a lot of um, demons in his closet. Um so yeah, that's what I mean. So I understand, I agree with your point. Like, There's been waves of it, but I mean like with the same vigour as it hit the acting and drama industry some years back. That's what hasn't happened yet. Because even Russell Simmons is just like, isn't he just like in Cuba somewhere or something, chilling? Um, I believe it's parts of Asia, but yeah, like he's, he's definitely chilling, but... He's just chilling, yeah. yeah. Like we haven't really seen the full brunt and full weight. Even in even in Hollywood's Me Too though, like some stories don't get. Of you know course, what I mean? Like it's course. it's hard. I think it's we still have a way to go, and especially with like I think Me Too can be a social media thing, but then there's a yes. whole different universe in court. Like are yes. these people paid off? Are does it? The thing is, there are there are so many people in Hollywood and in music, both realms, who have been accused, and you know, yeah, they're of not course. In <laughs> you know, they're not they're not in prison, and if you look at their criminal convictions, it's 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 clean. You know, yeah, as course. as Strope just said with Russell Simmons, you know, and LA Reads, it's not, you know, so it's but, hard. But I definitely think that in terms of the language and rhetoric, it's definitely more in the collective psyche of those in the acting world than it is to music, if that makes sense. Do I mean? Like, yeah, sorry, I was just turning my mic on. But yeah, 100%. No, I think we still have a way to go in certain pockets of music as well. Um, mm-hmm. And there's also the, the UK music industry. There's some mess here too. 100%. 110%. And yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, as I kind of said last week, there's the documentary about women on BBC Three and what they've been through. Um, so I definitely recommend that again. Um, it just kind of depicts a little bit around what's going on, but it's hard. It's hard. It's hard being in the entertainment business. I'm not gonna lie. It's it's very it's very tricky. It's very tricky, and you just have to be careful who you align with. And it's not even about personal reputation. It's just about morals. Because you just, as soon as you kind of find out what's going on, you have to kind of just ask yourself the moral questions if they are adjacent to you. It's not even about I'm trying to save my. Co-. It's not about that. It's about just making the right decision because mm. yeah mm. 
it's triggering it's triggering and you know the amount of girls in the industry that i've just spoken to and just victims at large to be honest who have told me off the record off the table stories <laughs> yeah this isn't even funny i'm just laughing because it's so disgusting but like yeah there's a lot going on there's a lot going on and even if we think about the language when some of these um accusations come to light i'm thinking about um ambush and yes, black that yes, Twitter exchange yes. and the instagram exchange and just the some Dutch of the, stuff the, the, the mental but even in this specific example the mentality of an ambush because that was a situation that was proven you know the the the, the aggressor in the situation admitted via instagram and then later adv- admitted via a statement himself that the events had happened at, at youtube black's party um last year um and the just the cognitive dissonance in not being able to realize the behavior that was happened and why it was wrong in some of the rhetoric i was like okay there's some fucked up individuals in music in life period to be honest because this happens outside of fame and celebrity but in music we're seeing and entertainment um just a lack of cognitive dissonance in the fact of when you when your actions are wrong you not understanding quite the wrong in that you know and and, and that's the worrying part you know because some people know are very aware um in in what they've done you know luring girls in luring boys in luring whatever in into rooms and doing all of x y and z but some people with i guess on a spectrum maybe one or two cases of you know sexual assault um abuse harassment whatever who don't understand what they've done in their behavior that's when it gets a bit a bit concerning will they do this again because of the lack of understanding of autonomy <laughs> number one and um limits of personal space you know number two and consent number three so yeah i just think it's a worrying time but i think more stories like this need to be shared because we just need to know. And again, I'm just saying allegedly because we don't know the full details yet, but I'm just saying that stories of this adjacent to this exist because, you know, I've, I've heard anecdotal kind of forms of that. So, yeah, I just hope that the victims are safe at this precise moment in time and that they're not being threatened or harassed and feel at liberty to kind of get their justice uh served so yeah we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on this case um if anything comes out during the season but yeah that's the ti entirely case okay on to the next topic um so this is the last topic business so we're not in the realm of like trauma or death and stuff guys we're back to just some news which i don't know if i have a lot to say on but um this is on hove jay-z you know mr car um square so square is a company you know a financial services led company um and it has led it into discussion and formal agreement with title for 297 million um usd um for a significant majority ownership stake of the business title so existing artist shareholders will be 
the remaining stakeholders here. So that I think it's if I'm reading this right and understanding it right, when Tidal launched, the likes of like Madonna, J. Cole, um, there were so many artists on stage with um Alicia Keys. Alicia with, Keys, yeah, with Rihanna, J- Beyonce. Yeah, just a load of I think those artists will have their remaining stakes, um, as well as artists who couldn't make it who have some stakes in Tidal. So um Yes, Tidal will now operate independently within the Square uh, business model alongside the Seller um, and Cash App ecosystems as well. So it now kind of sits amongst these these kind of entities as well. So that, that's interesting. Um, according to the company, um, the acquisition extends Square's purpose of economic empowerment to a new uh, vertical, which is for musicians now. Um, the media release added that artists are entrepreneurs with a dream and deserve access to systems tools and financial freedom to reach those dreams at every stage in their career tidal board member and shareholder sean carter aka jay-z to us is expected to join square's board of directors subject to the closing of the transaction so he's now moved away from tidal and moved into the larger entity of square um to sit at the board holder um director's kind of level of the table um in addition jay-z um to jay-z sorry all of titles artist shareholders um will still as i just said sit at the behest of title they will still gain royalties they'll still gain all of this entire the uh, title ecosystem so that just changes the kind of dynamics you know so it's square and then the artist and then jay-z joins square the wider business you know that makes it kind of hierarchical if you're looking at things in a hierarchical sense, that's what's happened essentially. So Square Executive um, Jesse Doroguska um, will serve as interim lead of title after the deal closes. So then he'll step into kind of a Sean Carter role, if that makes sense, in terms of directing the company. Um, so the completion of the transaction will be subject to standard regulatory approvals. If you don't know in finance, this is just all the background checks, ethical, all of that kind of stuff, legalities, and it will close um, actually still this year, which is shocking as well. So in the next quarter, so quarter two of 2021, um, Square was primarily advised by Gibson, Dunn and Crutcher LLP as legal advisors and Tidal was advised by Reed Smith LLP and Cummings and Lockwood LLC. So this is all legal information and background details. That's how the deal was like negotiated in the background, if that makes sense. Um, And Jack Dorsey, co-founder and CEO of Square said this on the kind of... um, cultural moment that's happening with the two businesses coming together it comes down to one simple idea finding new ways for artists to support their work um and jack dorsey of square said i knew that Tidal was something special as soon as i experienced it and it will continue to be the best home for music musicians and culture and jay-z then came on twitter for the first time in i believe around two years and tweeted um well publicly and he kind of said this partnership will be a game changer for many i look forward to all this new chapter um has to offer um artists deserve better tools to assist them in their creative journey jack and i have had many discussions about titles endless possibilities that have seen uh sorry made me even more inspired about the future um this shared vision makes me even more excited to join the square board um this partnership will be the game changer for many i look forward to all this new chapter has to offer so there's a lot of different um 
backgrounds around Tidal if you want to read this music business worldwide has a full comprehensive report on all of this um including some of the initial um part owners of Tidal um who so you can get the list of who's going to benefit here too um and obviously Jack and Jay-Z have been seen pictured together for years so this has clearly been a partnership that has been on the the works for kind of years as well um yeah so this is this is the news what do you guys think of the Tidal acquisition um and Square as a business if you guys are aware of Square and what they do so yeah I'm gonna pass the baton to you too um I think this is a very interesting acquisition um I think the way the music industry is going and the direction that Jack Dorsey was heading in to begin with are slowly starting to align um a news topic I wanted to well I saw and thought I'd bring up and it's kind of weaved its way into this one was um kings of leon have recently released or are going to release their latest album in the form of an nft which is um i'm trying to think of a way to explain this it's like a um it's something to do with cryptocurrency and it's um it's a blockchain it's something that is used to kind of trade art instead of music and the kind of value of it goes up and down and the reason i mention that is Jack Dorsey as a CEO for Twitter and Square and all of these different places has been looking into cryptocurrencies for the longest time. And if you are aware, um, his competitor, um, Mark Zuckerberg, launched Libra for Facebook around a year ago. Um, so I think with music, NFTs, and the way that we kind of get involved with music um, is going to come, become more important. And I do think that this purchase of Tidal um, is going to kind of lead towards more blockchain technology being involved in the music industry. And I'm excited for that, to be honest, because it gives more opportunity for um, smaller artists to kind of um, manage their own music, handle who like gets involved with it. And the contracts are slightly more, um, they, they can be slightly better depending on if you know what you're doing. So I'm excited for this, to be honest. Tidal as a platform has had a very conflicting message, um, I find. Um, it used to say it was for the artists and all of these different types of things, but um, there were some kind of questions around, okay, it's for the artists, but how much do they actually make and all of these different types of things. Um, and I don't really know a lot of people that use Tidal in the UK, but um, when I used it, I wasn't really happy with the UI. But I do think as a company, it, it kind of has grown and it's reached its point where it needs to be acquired now. And I'm glad it was Square of all companies that decided to acquire it. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I wanted to add to that. I think Jay-Z as a businessman um, is someone who kind of sees opportunity and realizes where the music industry is going. And I think this decision was a really smart decision. Um, I do think he's just going to continue to benefit from it, especially if my prediction is right and um, blockchain does get involved at some point with Jay-Z knowing how to trade art and all of these different types of things. Um, I, I do think this is a great acquisition. So we'll continue to monitor, but yeah, that's great. And shout out to Kings of Leon because they're the first band to actually use blockchain technology um, for their music. And what that means is we will see more artists kind of using it and seeing if it benefits them. So we'll see. That's all I have to say. Yeah, we've seen with NFTs, we've seen a lot of artists in the last couple of weeks start to sell art and other products on um these platforms that host you know nfts and everything and 
you know, drawings, music, art, as, as Eden just said, can be traded in this format. And it's, you know, you can't replicate an NFT, to be honest. So these can't kind of be um, kind of, yeah, they can't, they can't be sold for lesser value. They can't be duplicated. They can't kind of like, I'm thinking of the analogy of like DVDs and like all of that back in the day, you know, getting your um, bootleg DVDs and stuff like that. You cannot do that with this. It's kind of like, with an NFT, every the artist who toasted it first can kind of get shares every time it's sold and reacquired. So there's a lot that's going on in the NFT supermarket that um, that maybe Square will get involved with and maybe Tidal will be the first digital streaming platform to host NFTs, you know? Mm-hmm. So that will be definitely an interesting direction. And we'll just, you know, we'll continue to see if more people sign up now that Square's jumped in and acquired it. So you know yeah because i i do know that um jack dorsey was experimenting with um blockchain technology in africa i can't remember what part of africa but he went to africa to kind of look into it and figure out the best way to use that technology um so we'll get we'll see what happens this is all kind of prediction for now but with the direction that kind of twitter's going um because twitter was actually going to be put on a blockchain there was kind of conversation about that before but it, I think it'll be too big of a move right now. So we'll kind of have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, it's it's definitely one that tech um, and people who are interested in business and stocks need to kind of just pay attention to because, yeah, it's just interesting. And it will be interesting to then see how Apple and Spotify and, and you know, and Audio Mac and SoundCloud react to this um, kind of news as well. So, you know, Square, you know, making your little requirements, Jack, you know, being a multiple business owner, CEO, etc. So it's the music business is getting shaken up. And I don't even think we've seen the potential yet because I think this reminds me of when LimeWire was a thing and we didn't know DSPs would be realised in the way that, you know, before we were like, you know, listen to music streaming, like instead of buying albums, you you got you got to be crazy. I remember that and, you know, us all reluctantly still downloading and all that kind of stuff in the background and buying albums physically and stuff and now look at us or some of us anyway so we'll see how nfts shake up the marketplace and how kings of leon do i think sales wise and how we gauge success in this space will depend on artists like these being the forefront and the first to do it um to get get acquainted to the marketplace and how that works so yeah nfts square title the game is yours let's see what happens i'm not gonna lie i don't understand what this means but good for all parties involved i guess Do you mean the purchase of square for title yes and i don't know what this means for artists because jack's saying this is going to be revolutionary for artists and ownership and some other jargon but i was like okay whatever you say <laughs> i use spotify and i will continue to <laughs> i think there's a massive cash injection that comes with the acquisition. I think Nick said 290 million or something like that. So if that investment is going into um, Tidal as a company, um, I'm hoping it will give more leeway for artists to receive more from their streams. The likelihood is it won't because usually when companies receive more money, they go from the top rather than down upwards. Sorry, other way around. Um, So I I agree with what you're saying or what I think you're saying, where you say you don't know how it's going to affect the artists. Um, but I think with time, we'll see. Because um, in terms of the three main 
streaming platforms title does kind of pay i think it's yeah, the most it's one of the, the healthiest out of all of them um, for the highest, of all of them. um in terms of all of them but but even saying that like 10 percent of nothing is still nothing so like they artists still need to be paid more and this is why i'm saying that nfts are, are going to be monumental because the way it works is like nick said like a stock for example so you may buy it but the actual value of it goes up and down depending on kind of its importance and how it's interacted with and all of these different types of things so i am excited for the future of music technology because i do actually see it benefiting artists a lot and also the people who want to use it i think if i'm being completely honest i think streaming is dying um, and what I mean by that is I think there's this kind of clash between um, artists and um, kind of um, the consumer as well. Like artists aren't earning enough money from um, releasing these projects and are trying to find hacks around like earning money from their music, like releasing 50 track albums every year and all of these different types of things. And it's de it's it's degrading the actual quality of music. So there does need to kind of be some form of innovation at the moment to kind of make yeah. a difference. But I'm excited. I, I do think it's an opportunity for innovation. And um, Jack Dorsey being one of the top um, CEOs in the world at the moment and his investments in Africa, I'm very intrigued um, to see what happens. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting time in music as well. And, you know, if we get to a place in music where things are considered, you know, limited edition items and all of this and only this amount of NF NFTs are available and you know all of this kind of innovation I think that we'll see artists get really creative it will spur that creativity on again and I think as long as it's accessible that's my only thing as long as it's accessible to as many people as who are fans of music you know this whole NFT and cryptocurrency um landscape because as Chopin kind of hinted at the language can sometimes be a bit inaccessible and you kind of have to like really pay attention to it to kind of get that knowledge gap reimbursed reimbursed but I'm sure they'll you know if they're trying to make the most money they'll make it as simplified as possible you know I had to read a few articles myself over the last few months just to get myself accustomed but if you guys want to know what an nft is there is a recent article on the verge which i guess would have saved me loads of <laughs> articles throughout the last few weeks um it's a really easy read and it just kind of explains you know what nfts mean for music or could mean for art and just larger concepts of life so if title does start to get in the nft universe um as they've just got acquired um, you'll understand what it means and be ready for that transition. But don't be scared by these terms. I think just read the articles that come from tech um, authorities and, and watch YouTube videos and definitely just pay attention to this acquisition as it continues. Um, but yeah, definitely got more to learn myself on the market. Um, but that Verge article is a good place to start on the topic of NFTs um, for you guys, if you don't understand what that means. <laughs> but yeah. Was that our last topic? That is. We've kind of breezed through these, actually, to be honest with you. Like, very easy. Well, not easy, but very um, digestible and easily readable articles in terms of, like, what's happening, if that makes sense. But obviously, some hardships in the topics. But we're done. This, Yeah, we're done. Wow. Okay, within the hour and a half. Look at that. 
So guys, that was the end of the episode. If you got to the end, could you just send us a quick message saying respecting legends or something along those lines, just so we know where you got to. Um, it's been amazing being back and thank you to everyone um, who was kind of waiting for the podcast to come back. I guess we could say this is kind of the first episode or three of us back together. Um, but at the same time, it's been amazing coming back and I'm looking forward to the conversations we have on this season. Um, please don't forget to rate and subscribe us on Apple Podcasts. So D-A-T-S-P-O-D and you can find us on all streaming platforms under Don't Alert the Stands or D-A-T-S-P-O-D. Um, I'm Eden. You've also got Shope Showerton and Nicholas Tyrell. And that will be all for today. Peace.